Today on the 12 Rants of Christmas, let's discuss a word that spikes my social anxiety by just mentioning it. Networking. Ugh. If you were to ask me my overall sentiment towards the idea of having to schmooze and make small talk with higher ups for the sake of achieving professional success, regardless of the merit of your work, I'd say at face value that I was probably anti. And I think that although some people are social butterflies who find it effortless, most people who are competent in their jobs and confident enough in their abilities would say the same. The benefits though are clear. Collaborating with others means the right people do the right jobs effectively as well as reducing individual workloads. It's also way easier to collaborate with people you have a mutual respect and fondness for as well as a, a confidence of their competence. It can also be really rewarding to find other people who do what you do and share experiences, lessons and ideas. And lastly, of course, you just make friends that way. Like-minded people who do similar things that intersect with what you do every day are just more likely to be similar to you in other ways too. And the need to network gives us an excuse to cross that barrier where we may not. So yes, even though a lot of us may not like it, we obviously need to network wherever possible, but it doesn't make it any less excruciating when you have to start blah blahing about the weather and holidays with someone who also doesn't want to be there just because you got stuck in a particular location based only on the fact that you needed to get a drink at the same time. Networking is also a daily part of my life now. My day job particularly as I've kind of moved up the ranks, either people need my help or I need their buy-in to achieve one of my own goals. But as someone who ran a successful small business in my 20s with a public-facing aspect, I unwittingly, st I unwittingly stepped into an area where I both needed to keep clients happy and also deal with a lot of people wanting to either work with or get something from me. I'll discuss this more in future episodes, but another thing that made this more challenging that I've learned about myself, as many others have, thanks to the likes of TikTok videos and just people being more comfortable sharing their daily trouble, uh, struggles publicly now, is that while I'm not fully diagnosed, I have been told by professionals that I should probably follow my gut in connecting the dots that suggest I may fall somewhere along the lines of the autism spectrum. For me, among other symptoms, it means that I often struggle with social scenarios where the accepted rules aren't immediately obvious and you have to kind of just wing it. That's difficult for me and I have a long history dating back to childhood of me winging it, leading to some pretty embarrassing stories. What I've needed to do to overcome this is to, before I even realized it was this causing it going all the way back to childhood, use my emotional intelligence and kind of create an internal rule book or cheat sheet to be able to comfortably navigate scenarios that those asshole social butterflies that I'm definitely not jealous of don't even need to think about. If you're wondering, yes, you're currently watching or listening to one exact coping mechanism right now. Podcasting shows or segments like this is a way I've found to make fun art out of my social anxiety that I've learned over the years is actually validating and in some case, even helpful for others to hear. So with that in mind, let me share some of my own personal cheat sheet with five pro tips when it comes to networking that I've learned from years of either getting it wrong myself or experiencing others failing while trying to network me. One, don't underestimate the power of someone liking you. As I've gotten older and more comfortable in my own skin, I've realized that my brand, so to speak, is basically just being myself. I want to be relatable. I want to speak to people in plain, simple terms that connect with them. Uh, not ever seem like I feel like I'm superior to them. I want to feel like very much on the level, even if it is someone who is working for me or looking for something from me. 
And I'm not saying that's the way that everybody should be. It's just what works for me. And anytime that I've actually tried any other style, it usually ends up going quite badly. I've tried dressing fancy and looking sharp to give a professional polished sheen. And people, including myself to be fair, just thought I was a bit of a prick with notions. I failed to read the room when given opportunities with people senior to me and went in direct with sales pitches without realizing they just wanted to know what I like to do outside of work. And I came across the wrong combo of naive, overambitious, and a bit desperate. The main benefit to working with you should that be people get to work with you because you're a good person to work with. It sounds really basic and out of sync with the 50 bajillion marketing movies about people inventing products and doing wild eccentric pitches that inspire billionaires to give them stupid amounts of money. But remember, most of those movies also end in them being disgraced and bankrupt or are still rich but universally hated with the entire planet usually rooting for their demise. And it works both ways. So with my team who work for me, well, it's important to set clear boundaries that you're not their best mate and you're there to hold them accountable to meet the expectations that you set. If they also see that you're someone real who's in the trenches with them and understands that they're three-dimensional people themselves and you want to support their success, they'll buy into you and you'll get much further faster together. If it's someone senior to you or someone uh, you want to seal a long-term relationship with, remember that your words mean nothing without context. So many people don't understand that ideas and intentions on their own have no value, even ones that might change the world. But even if you've got a proof of concept or track record of success, if someone doesn't know you, feel like they can trust you or enjoy your company, all they'll do is work with you enough so that they can learn from what you do and then just take your idea. Having that relationship where they not only know you're good at what you do, but actually get something rewarding from every interaction they have with you is the secret sauce to building mutually beneficial relationships that last years. If you'll allow me to sound like a wanky TED talker for a moment, you are your own strongest unique selling point. And if you're finding yourself frustrated and left out in the cold despite knowing that you can do better, remember that and that's probably where the opportunity lies. Two, don't hide an agenda behind friendship. On a similar note that Nissy might seem like a contradiction, nothing gets me to eject myself quicker from a conversation with someone who tries to butter me up by, pretending, by them pretending to build a genuine human connection only for at the end of that conversation than to level you with their agenda and try get something out of, out of you. It's the old kind of buy me dinner adage and, that, and depending on how badly you fluff this can be actually terminal to building a relationship even if you got the first 90% of it right. Professional industries where net networking is commonplace tend to be good for that kind of verbal foreplay, but I experienced this mostly myself, particularly in my past life working in professional wrestling. Because it's a small, largely unregulated and unsupported industry that requires building relationships to succeed, you get the bad mix of people needing to network you, but also not having uh, very good advice or experience in doing so. Nothing for me says absolute snake quicker to someone than walking up uh, to you saying vaguely unspecific positive things about you uh, and the one thing they might notice or know about you then immediately asking for a favor or a job and i'm not saying i want people to lick my ass save that stuff for the bedroom guys and in fact someone blatantly brown nosing for the sake of it actually makes me want to puke in my mouth a little bit if you want a favor and nothing more 
just ask for the favor but you have to be open to the possibility that they may say no and there may be a fair reason behind that when i ran low blows for example people used to get so mad at me when i declined to plug their stuff that wasn't because i was a scrounge for plugs or wanted to hold them down we were just a small business that collaborated with a lot of people for free on the basis that we mutually promoted each other's ventures high factory factory by the way love you guys what people didn't know or understand was that if I didn't know them or their work, by plugging them, I tied my company's brand and also the personal brand of everyone involved in the public-facing aspect of Low Blows to their every move. So if they came out and said something that was like accidentally racist or homophobic, for example, the following week now, I was endorsing that too. Similarly, if you want to build a relationship with people, then put that work in to build that relationship. I mentioned Fight Factory there, and we spent years working together in a way that really benefited both companies, but only off the back of a long process of us just hanging out, going for pints, having long conversations about life and shared interests and telling each other stories. We became friends, so by the time it got to discussing the business stuff, it was easy, and even the risky stuff was fine because we both knew what, that we were bought into each other's successes. That led to years of good business for both sides and the friendships that still exist to this, to this day. That's what good looks like here. Not saying, oh, hi, mister. I've never actually heard of you before, but uh, nice jumper. Can you make me your podcast co-host and agree to it right now so I don't see I'm really good, I swear. Three, do find ways to offer help. So let's say you do want to put in that legwork to build a relationship with someone you want to work with one day or to do their job specifically, but aren't sure how. This is something people got so wrong so often when I ran low blows. The type of approach I used to get the most from these kind of people was some version of, how do I do what you do, but instead of you getting the money and success, I get it instead. And the answer I used to give used to drive them all crazy too, although it was also so true. I tell them that years of experience building relationships, making mistakes, and learning lessons was how I figured it out. There's no secret sauce or one-liner that explains it because you're in a reactionary, changing environment where things you'll need to make decisions at the right time. So the right answer is being exposed to that environment for a long time. So that whenever a pivot is needed because of unforeseen circumstances, you know enough to be able to know what to do. And there are some pretty bad examples of people that come to mind for me here. I was once holding interviews for a role that came up and had one lad come along who made it clear he could not give less of a fuck about working with me and he was only there for the part where I asked, have you any questions for me? So that he could grill me about everything I'd done to get to that point. Another gang of friends would occasionally drop me ideas out of blue. And I'd like suggestions and took them all on board as when you run events or create content regularly, the trouble is kind of keeping the wheel spinning with fresh material over a long period of time. So outside input is actually necessary. But instead of even ever asking to be involved, they appeared to get jealous and bitter and ended up launching an aggressively hostile challenger brand, mainly built around these people I didn't even know, attacking me personally that almost instantly flopped. If someone came up with an idea that you wish you did, instead of getting jealous and trying to beat them, I think you just need to respect that and try learn from them. So find a way to help them and learn firsthand. Had any of the above people do done that, they would have been a part of a successful operation and in the right place to learn and work their way up. No, it wouldn't have happened tomorrow, which I think was the frustration for them, but it did end up, didn't end up happening for them tomorrow anyway. So when the question becomes, how do you get on their radar? The answer is simple. Find ways to help make their day easier so you can build that relationship and loyalty. 
And I'll tell you a word that goes a long way here, the word free. And don't at me now, bitter musicians and the likes who spend their days saying how they're never going to give their talent away for exposure. I'm not saying do the entire job for free. That defeats the purpose by writing your talents at nothing and means you lose all your capacity to negotiate different circumstances as you work your way up. Instead, look at it this way. Find the base level of something you're already doing in your day-to-day -day life so your circumstances don't actually change at all if this is a hiding to nothing. Then see if that's something that they can use to help do their job a bit more effectively. The best way I've ever seen this done personally was by a person I know who wanted to get into radio and was a bit of a TV addict also, so they used to just send their recommendations for what was on that night onto their favourite radio show. It was something that they did themselves as a hobby anyway, so the only extra work was literally taking what they were already doing, copying and pasting it daily into an email and sending it on, which is absolute genius. He essentially fed the show a new daily segment for them to fill five minutes every day, but in doing so, also made himself essential to the people he wanted to work with for no extra effort. So it was no surprise when it ended up, ended up hearing him eventually turn up on the air to talk through his choices, and he got to tick that box. If you work within the same organization as someone uh, and are looking at one day developing towards something, this is even easier. Just reach out, as I covered earlier, state your agenda clearly by mentioning that you have an interest in what they do and would like to learn more. Give them a quick pitch on who you are and say you'd like to uh, put some time in their calendar to meet and discuss if there's any way you can help them out through what you do. One pro tip here, by the way, though, is just always run this idea past your manager, ideally, or someone senior at the very least, because they may see potential red flags or pitfalls and have ways of avoiding stepping on any landmines or make it most effective. If you do find a hook that lands, now you become someone that they're dependent on. That gives you opportunities others may not have to develop that friendly relationship and sell yourself as someone that, yes, they want to work with and is only a benefit to bringing you more into their operation. Four, do respect the power of yes. Remember earlier when I gave the example of someone pretending to not have heard of you to, and then asking for a favor? That's something that the really shit networkers actually do to appear aloof, cool, and big time. In their head, it's just gonna lead to them having the advantage when it comes to negotiating. But meanwhile, in the real world, the person listening picks up on the subtle dig and just thinks, dickhead. This is literally the opposite of everything you're going for and is how even if you stumble into setting up a relationship with one of these people, you're probably setting up something where that person is going to fuck you over at a later stage. When I coach people into how to sell, whether it's being products, services to customers or clients, if they're selling a pitch, uh, in a, like selling an idea in a pitch or even selling themselves in an interview, I always talk them through the power of yes. At a basic level, as people who've been trained in sales will know, if you're selling something to a customer, use simple questions where you know the answer is yes. It sounds stupid and we all like to think we're above these kind of simple tactics working on us, but think about it. The reality is if someone has shown they understand every potential concern you have and answered every need you possibly could deal with, and you've said yes every single step along the way, why when they asked you to lay your money down would you say no? You've agreed to everything beforehand. And this can apply to networking too. Whenever I'm talking to someone I want to strengthen a relationship with, I want their every interaction to me to have them thinking, yes, 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 in agreement. It's just fortifying that bond and confidence they have in the words you speak. That doesn't need to change the content of your message. And 
particularly when you're speaking to people much senior to you, your attempts to sugarcoat and bullshit are more likely to get spotted and have the exact opposite impact in knocking their faith in the words you say. So let's look at how you maintain the power of yes, even delivering bad news messages. For me, nothing boils my blood and shakes my confidence in someone instantly than messages that come across as it is what it is. That doesn't mean that I think they're bad at their job or anything, just that I'm speaking to the wrong person. Whereas if you respect the power of yes, you can deliver that exact same message and get the exact opposite reaction by simply reframing how you present your information. So instead of saying, look, this isn't going to get done because of X, Y, and Z, it is what it is. Turn around and say, the challenge I'm navigating here is X, Y, and Z. Here are the elements of that which are within our control. So here's what I'm going to look to do, and I look to ensure this is something we should be able to do should it ever arise again. I'm going to keep you updated on this. The expectations in the short term for the two messages are the exact same. I'm probably not going to be able to do what you asked for in the time frame you've given me to do it. But by acknowledging the challenges that these are the barriers you agree shouldn't be in place, then presenting it instead as an ongoing piece of work rather than just walking away from the fire, the stakeholders leave the conversation assured that you're talk they're talking to exactly the right person. And you, all you've really committed to doing is pushing the issue to as far as you can control it, which is all anyone can reasonably expect of you. And it also keeps you honest yourself that you're doing everything you can. The difference in the impact between the two messages, though, is night and day. When dealing pretty, with pretty much anyone, whether they work for me, are senior to me, or just someone I'd like to work with one day, I want their responses to hear the words coming out of my mouth or seeing my name on an email, however we're chatting, to be just nodding yes and relieved that I'm the person they're talking to. That's the power of yes at work, and understanding it can open so many doors that are currently frustrating you. Five, don't plan on your relationship continuing if you try to leverage someone. Using leverage within reason is a valid negotiation tactic and don't ever be gaslit into believing it's not by someone who doesn't like being backed into a corner. I say within reason because a great way to get yourself blacklisted from a place is to take a bull in a china shop approach to leverage. I'd be like, do this or I'm going to tell everyone I saw you cheating on your wife. You might get what you wanted, but now you've likely created someone who's actively out to get you when the chance arises. And the worst part is, you more than likely may not even realize when that happens. I don't like to carry grudges, and especially as I've gotten older, realize that turning the many mental situations life has thrown my way into funny stories for podcasts and laughing them off is way more healthy and stress-free than forever plotting the demise of my foes. But every now and then I'll have an outreach from someone I've built a good long-standing relationship with asking if I knew the name of someone who's been in touch with an idea. And while I don't hold any ill will towards these people, my memory is quite good with these names and I've yet to see one of these ideas pan out. Just saying. You, you need to be aware of the risk involved in leveraging someone. Leverage is like uh, relationship dynamite. If you need something blown up, dynamite is going to do the job. But on the other hand, then that same thing is going to be blown up and can be near impossible to ever repair properly. In 99% of situations, remember that life is long. You never know when you're going to run into someone again and you may need their goodwill and that even if you can win the battle by using some leverage within reason, nobody likes to actually lose battles and some people will respond by spending the rest of their existence waiting for that moment to fuck you over. My line to push the big red button and explode that dynamite is when people have shown themselves to be untrustworthy. If I can't trust if I can't trust you and you try to lie or knowingly take advantage of me, our business has concluded and I'll now be preparing my exit strategy and ready to cash out for the best outcome that suits me. 
the risk here is mitigated also by the fact that this approach from them is a short-term one that experience has taught me they're almost almost always try to replicate with everyone they do business with so the chances of them ever catching me again down the road are low because the most likely outcome is that eventually they're going to be smoked out of business soon enough when they try it on enough different people an example I can give is with event managers uh, for a venue that we worked with in the early days of low blows they were outsourced to handle the bookings of this venue the venue itself by the way was great and one I feel a lot of nostalgia for to the point that even uh, I took an old team of mine there for a meal not too long ago and I regularly go back because I enjoy it and feel a lot of kinship to the place but the support I got from this crowd was substandard and it seemed like they were trying to rob me at every juncture Fortunately for us, we grew extremely quickly and I learned on the job. So within a few months, the power dynamics of our relationship have completely shifted, which led to a situation where they could probably see the writing on the wall as I was counting down the days to moving on as we'd now outgrown the venue and the trust had been broken there. At one point, they tried withholding a payment they promised me uh, and I had them dead to rights. I didn't particularly enjoy this, by the way. And this isn't how I do business these days. I was in my 20s and a lot braver right now, but fuck it. We're on a podcast. We're having some fun. Let's tell a funny story. This was one of the times where I got to put into action some skills gleaned from years of watching uh, my favorite shows like The Sopranos. No, I didn't break some kneecaps or lose a dead body in the Dublin mountains, but I did call a meeting with them last minute and show up in their workplace going full Rihanna, bitch better have my money. They realized my demeanor was quite different and I wouldn't be leaving without it. So began kind of stalling for time and muttering that, oh, I didn't have it on them. I'll have to send it to you later. And I was just like, look, the ATM's downstairs. You can stay and you can run down and get it, I said. Yeah, I was basically saying, I'm going to keep your colleague collateral. I wasn't going to crack any skulls, although I didn't mind them believing that I would if need be, but they did the maths and figured that stringing me along here meant their big upcoming event being cancelled and them having to explain to their clients that what happened, so they eventually relented. We're in the process at the time of discussing renewing our deal, which is now a no-go for me if this is what it would involve. But given the business that we brought, they'd have to face some serious questions from their clients if they lost their business, which presented an opportunity for me. I sent them I'm going to be honest, an absolutely ridiculous offer that it made no sense for them to take. So either way now, I ended up doing an insanely well through that deal and basically I was put in a position where even the client would see that we were now calling the shots and totally undermine the other guys or they'd have to go back and explain how they messed up the relationship so badly that it just cost the client thousands of potential income. The toys evacuated the pram and this is a case of what I was discussing earlier about people trying to gaslight you into thinking that leverage is wrong. When they made the accusation, I basically said, yeah, I am leveraging you. So what's it going to be? This is the situation. This is the deal. Out of stubbornness, they said no and got super spiteful for our final event there. They didn't provide free meals for our guest performers as they'd always done previously. They failed to communicate accurate numbers to the venue so the night would be staffed correctly, which led to massive queues at the bar. So what ended up happening was that even though our event sold out and got great reviews for the event itself, the venue itself took serious public reputational damage, which was a massive own goal from them because it meant that our customers started openly calling for us to move somewhere bigger and made the subsequent jump easy. And it made it a really easy negotiation for me a lot smoother because with the demand we now brought, we basically had our pick of the bunch and got exactly the next venue that we wanted. 
Safe to say, these guys aren't on my Christmas card list this year. We don't keep in touch anymore, so I don't know what they're up to these days. But things kept going pretty well for low blows until they wrapped it up nearly a decade later. So worked out well on our side. Now, like I said, that's a fun story to wrap it up that worked out. But again, consider that I'm saying only do this in break glass in case of emergency situations. Because yes, dynamite is dangerous. But also, sometimes, blowing stuff up just to see what happens, that can be pretty fun. 